This is Steep Dive. I'm Sui. This week, leaders from five Central Asian countries are visiting China. They're all here for the same big event, the China Central Asia Summit in the city of Xi'an. And there are some high hopes for this gathering, as stated by Kazakh President Kasim Jomar Tokayev during a recent interview. This is going to take place in Xi'an.、Uh, I mean,、uh, Central Asia and China are very high. I think that、uh, all my colleagues、uh, in Central Asia would agree with me that、uh, we benefit、uh, from our relations with China, and we'll be doing our best in order to promote this kind of cooperation. It was in Central Asia that Chinese President Xi Jinping put forward the Belt and Road Initiative exactly 10 years ago, and ever since, Central Asian countries have been active players under the framework. Were in the words of the Chinese Foreign Ministry, a benchmark for connectivity. And now, many are expecting an increased level of connectivity, for example, in areas like infrastructure. Why is connectivity so important for Central Asian countries? What role is China playing here? How can this summit help with these hopes in promoting connectivity? For this, I spoke with CGTN reporter Zhao Yunfei, who's now in Xi'an for the summit. This episode is brought to you on Wednesday, May the seventeenth. So Yunfei,、uh, it's the first summit specifically between China and five Central Asian countries. Do we know what will top the agenda and what outcomes can we expect? Well, this is quite significant because、uh, it's first offline summit at this scale,、uh, given that、uh, leaders of China and、uh, leaders from Central Asian countries all gathered together, and uh, uh, they gathered in Xi'an and. Uh, there are several things that they will get together and、uh, discuss、um, because this is first of its kind. So they will talk about how to boost political trust. I would say that、uh, they would、uh, create a mechanism of exchanges、um, between the countries, and this is something that will really lay the foundation for the next level of cooperation in all fields. Some observer have called it a milestone. How would you describe the significance? Well, it could be a significant milestone, given the fact that this is the first diplomacy event that China has been hosting since the、uh, country has lifted most of its COVID protocols. It also comes at a time that marks the 10th anniversary of the Belt and Road Initiative. The Belt and Road is really inspired by Asian Silk Road, and.、Um, This is something that has been carried on for thousands of years, and、uh, if you check out the history, more than two thousand years ago, Chinese envoy Zhang Tian traveled to the West, and then he been to a place、uh, called Da Yuan, which is actually the Fergana Valley in Uzbekistan. I was in Uzbekistan earlier this month and visited the Fergana Basin, and I also got a chance to visit the ruins、uh, of the Da Yuan State. Local people that I have spoke with really. Celebrate this part of history because they believe that this the early contact between China and、uh, Central Asia. Now, given the fact that the modern Silk Road is the Belt and Road Initiative and it's、uh, the tenth year's anniversary, I think Central Asian countries and China would really celebrate this event and carry on for other cooperation. You mentioned the Belt and Road Initiative. We know it's a connectivity initiative.、Uh, what's important is the transport sector, transportation connectivity.、Uh, why is this in particularly important for the region? Well, infrastructure cooperation is always、uh, important. It could be one of the major themes of the Belt and Road Initiative. When I was in Uzbekistan, I see new energy buses、uh, all around the 
city in Tashkent. You know, those are the buses really from China. And、uh, also, when we talk about infrastructure, it's mainly about the train infrastructure. A lot of the、uh, railway、uh, systems are. You can see the Chinese element、uh, in the railway system, so people are really looking forward to a faster communication and faster trade. Just a few days ago, I was reporting from a container yard in Xi'an, and every day there is one to two trains carrying some containers, and they got shipped to Tashkent and other cities in Central Asia. And If it's going to Central Asia, there is no great advantage in sea transportation. The inland region has no seaport, and so the railway has a natural advantage. The trains exit the border from Xinjiang and soon arrive in the five Central Asian countries. This is really frequent, given the way that、uh, Xi'an is not a coastal city, and you may see more of these container yards in the、uh, seaport areas, but. You know, thanks to the railway network,、uh, even a city like Xi'an or many other cities, more than a dozen cities equipped with、uh, the China, Europe, or China Central Asia freight trains in China, are all benefiting from this kind of infrastructure. The trains go through Kazakhstan before arriving in Uzbekistan, but now a faster route is planned: the China-Kyrgyzstan-Uzbekistan railway. Uzbekistan's Andijan is set to be a terminal on the line. Sitting on the eastern edge of Uzbekistan's rail network, the emerging industrial city will soon become an international transportation hub. The new railway being built will open a transportation path for China to not only Andijan but also Central Asia and other major countries further apart. And about this China-Kyrgyzstan-Uzbekistan railway,、uh, first, where is it located, and which parts will it link together? This is a significant railroad that really connecting the all three countries:、uh, China, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan. This is a cross-border project, and it started from China, Xinjiang. It, more precise, it could be Kashgar, and then、uh, it goes through、uh, Kyrgyzstan. So the most part of its railway will be in the in Kyrgyzstan, and all the way to the border city of Andijan in Uzbekistan. And Andijan is really on the eastern edge of. Uzbekistan's railway network. So on the west edge of China, and all the way through Kyrgyzstan and to Uzbekistan. I understand it's already taken decades, like over twenty years, for it to be built.、Uh, where are we now? Well, the engineers are still inspecting the roads and、um, look for possible paths that the、um, railroad could go through. And then the most updates could be the very significant agreement on the construction project, and、uh, the agreement was really reached at last September in the、uh, Shanghai Cooperation Organization event in Samarkand. You know, when I was in Uzbekistan, I talked to local people, especially business people, really look forward to it, because currently. When I visit to the bazaar, and then I see a lot of dry fruits, and the reason why they export dry fruits is because those fruits are not easily to get bad. Even they hop on the train, and then after a week or two weeks or so, dry fruits are also fine. So they export dry fruits to China, but really they are looking forward to path to export fresh fruits or or other products. So they are looking for a faster way of transportation. And though also, if you talk to local people, a lot of people are realizing. That、um, the Chinese infrastructure is really advanced, so they would really like to be 
benefited from the infrastructure. So a lot of local people are also passengers, let's say, are also quite looking forward to it. Before 2016, this train line has to go through Tajikistan. It took us one and a half days to reach the final destination. We have to go out two times and show passports at the borders. So more about that, what does it mean for the three countries and maybe for other countries when it's completed? Well, in Uzbekistan, CDTN also spoke with the Minister of Economy and Commerce in Kyrgyzstan. With the help of China, I think it will be a very big prospect for the development of alternative sources. It will help Central Asia open its way to the sea. And he told us that uh, the railroad is a very big prospect for the development of alternative sources. So he meant alternative. My understanding of he meant alternative sources is that uh, you know there is more ways of fields of cooperation that is all based on the infrastructure, and uh, he also said that it will help Central Asia open its way to the sea. And CGTN also spoke with the Minister of Transport of Uzbekistan, and he said that the new railway will cut the path from China to Europe by some 900 kilometers. First of all, it will help boost the speed of transportation. It will reduce the way from China to Europe by some 900 or 1,000 kilometers. It will also make the trip from Uzbekistan to Europe more convenient. So I want to explain this part a little bit because the um, China-Kyrgyzstan-Uzbekistan railway is considered the southern route of the China-Europe freight train. So if this is established, I mean, it also joins the entire railway network in Eurasia. When the leaders seeing this um, infrastructure, they see that as strategically. So um, this could really benefiting the people in Central Asia, but also China and those in the European countries. Hmm. You mentioned uh, that the agreement was finalized only last year at the SCO summit in Samarkand. So looking back, why is the construction uh, taking so long? On one perspective, the engineering is difficult because especially in the area of Kyrgyzstan, the engineers will face difficulties, challenges with, you know, tunnels, steep climbs and descents in their construction. So it really takes some time to evaluate the difficulty, the challenges, technical challenges. And also, um, the project was first initiated in 1997. For some reason, it got delayed for a period of time, but people are really looking forward to it. Ever since, I think the, the turnover is the crisis in Ukraine due to the expansion of NATO and also uh, weaponary supplies from the US and other NATO alliance. The uh, Central Asian countries really understand that what the Western ideology is really not pushing forward to a way of cooperation and peace. They start to work with China. So it's a kind of a shift based on their observations. And they understand that China is really pursuing path of cooperation and only under the mutual benefit and mutual trust, increasing an economy could be achieved. So that's why they are preparing to construct the railway at this moment. Hmm. You talk about mindset of regional countries after the Russia-Ukraine conflict. I heard there is um, like a turn of events when it comes to uh, Uzbekistan, who had some reservation about this project in the first place. So what made uh, Uzbekistan change its mind eventually? 
Well, I think there is a lot of geopolitical concerns, as I mentioned, because there is a concern because Uzbekistan really want to stand at a neutral stance in the crisis in Ukraine. Since the Ukraine crisis,、uh, the solidarity becomes more important. Uzbekistan relief a little bit, and、uh, that's why this project is being、uh, established, and that's why it got delayed for so long time. So back to the summit, and how could the summit between China and the Central Asian countries help with the projects like the China-Kyrgyzstan-Uzbekistan railway in the future? Well, I think the infrastructure is a foundation of their cooperation. But as I mentioned, I think from the leaders' perspective, they're building a mechanism so that the you know leaders at all levels would be able to communicate better. And then with the infrastructure cooperation, there could be more people-to-people -people exchanges. When I was in Uzbekistan, I see the hospitality of Uzbek people, and then when they see Chinese, there are, some people really say hi to us in Chinese because they are very、uh, familiar with China. I think that people in Central Asia they they understand China more than we as normal Chinese do. So so certainly there could be a next level of to, of people-to-people -people exchanges. And with that,、um, there are also local people would like to further carry on their culture. My observation is that they really treasure the Asian Silk Road culture. A lot of the factories I visited, they are still carrying on the same traditional way of sewing and silk production. So they really celebrate the past. And、uh, with the cooperation, China and Central Asian countries can further carry on the cultural exchanges. Former Prime Minister of Kyrgyzstan Dzumar Altobayev says a great chance for Central Asian countries to take advantage of China's development and propel their own progress. We are very excited that in our borders we have the fastest growing economy of the world. So we sharing the same Asian values. We have common border. There is no reason why shouldn't we、uh, actively develop our different type of ties, political, economic. People to people exchange, whatever. So we have great expectations for our future cooperation. It's not only purchase of of hydrocarbons, but also developing of our infrastructure. And infrastructure projects like the China-Kyrgyzstan-Uzbekistan railway hold the potential to connect the region with other parts of the world. This enhanced connectivity can extend its benefits to regions including the Middle East, Europe, and more. Central Asian countries, once renowned as ancient centers of trade, culture, and transportation, are now starting to see the resurgence of their long-lost prosperity. They're eyeing for the grand transition from landlocked nations to becoming a land-linked continent. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Deep Dive. If you like what you just heard, don't forget to follow us on your podcast platform. Just search for Deep Dive. You can also leave comments to tell us what you want to know about China and beyond. This episode is brought to you by me, Sui, and my colleagues Fei Fei and Qi Zhi. Special thanks to CGTN reporter Zhao Yunfei. I will see you in the next one.